Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. well will know I love my houseplants and I have brought with me some of my houseplants today now if you're in the cheap seats at the back you might not be able to see but look how beautiful they are I want a bit of a there we go some of them are a little bitter but this is my orchid Um, I've not seen a flower on him in about two years but he's still green so he went in the good garden Uh, this is my pineapple plant which is very sad because I tried to water him and I snapped the pineapple off so now he's just a plant which is a bit bit disappointing but as you can see my garden is very beautiful this is good I also have my second garden over here my second garden probably isn't looking quite as good as you can appreciate I don't think this is the way I think he was a shrub at one I don't really know how you kill an outdoor shrub I think the rain's meant to water him but the rain didn't water him Um, It's all very sad. Um, And I think, um, I love this garden. It brings me a lot of joy. I think it's close to perfect. Would you agree? Yes, close to perfect. I also have a slightly disappointing garden. And as you know, today is Easter Sunday. It is a really good day. It's one of the most important dates in the Christian calendar. Um, And there are lots of ways that we can unpack the Easter story. Lots of things that we could go through. But today, um, I want us to step back a little bit. I want us to go all the way back to the beginning. And I want to look at a tale of two gardens. Um, I have stolen that from Charles Dickens. Uh, So we're going to start by having a quick look at Genesis chapter 2. So as you read that behind me, you will all know the line, in the beginning God created. And God created the world and he created an original garden. And this garden was good. It was perfect but not just the garden was good everything was good everything was perfect so there was Adam and there was Eve and life for them was incredible they were free and they had been given one job okay one job by God and that was do not eat the fruit from one particular tree but they thought they knew better okay and that is when things started going wrong Adam and Eve choosing their way over God's we call that sin And sin is any time that we choose our way over God's way. And what happened was in this perfect garden in Eden, everything was amazing. But because of Adam and Eve's choice, we started heading in this direction. Okay, the ground was cursed. They had to leave Eden, that perfect garden, and they were separated from God. Perfect God, but also the perfect world. So they've gone from this state of perfection all the way over to here. And here there is brokenness. Broken people, a broken, imperfect world. Okay, kind of like this shrub, not as God intended. Okay, and we see that on a world scale, whether it's earthquakes or famine or disease or wars. Broken, not as God intended. But we also see it on a personal scale, In your life, you will know relational hurt. You will know loss. You might know anxiety, broken, not as God intended. And in the Christian world, we call that moment the fall, the moment where we went from here, that perfect God, perfect world, perfect relationship, all the way over to this mess, that is the fall. 
And we walked away from the perfection into brokenness. That was our choice. And that is why life for many of us is really tough sometimes. It's difficult. Now, I want to fast forward from this point to um, Mary. The account kind of so kindly read to us by Nikki. Um, We find another garden here. This is a garden tomb. And in our tale of two gardens, this is going to be our second garden for this morning. Our first garden is going to be Eden. And our second garden is going to be the garden tomb. And we see in John 20, which Mary read for us, uh, which Mary read for us, Nikki read for us, there we go, took me a while, Um, which Nikki read for us, we're with Mary, and Mary's at this tomb and she is crying. Let's get inside Mary's head for a moment. She is broken, okay, she is hurting big time, she is feeling loss big time. She trusted Jesus. She thought he was the one. Um, The kind of disciples and all of Jesus' followers, they probably thought maybe Jesus was going to come and overthrow the Roman Empire. But now he's dead. And she still clearly believes in him some way because she's coming to attend to him. But she's, she's hurting. She's crying. She's broken. And Mary thinks that she is facing a personal crisis. But I wonder if any of you can identify with those feelings, feeling hurt, feeling lost, feeling broken, feeling like the story you're living in just doesn't make sense. Mary thinks her world is falling apart. She's lost, she's hurt, she's broken. But what we need to see is that scripture tells us what's happening to Mary isn't just a personal crisis, it is an ancient curse. It is part of the curse of history that's repeated time and time again in my life, in your life, where things are broken. Things are no longer perfect. We experience loss and grief and all of the pain because of that fall. I don't know if you've ever wondered why life is just so hard sometimes. It's because your story and my story are part of this much longer, much older, much bigger, much deeper story of this fall, telling us why life isn't perfect. Because something went wrong in that garden at the very beginning. We left the perfection and now we're living in this brokenness, this hurt. The loss, the illness, whatever it may be, It's the consequence of that. It's the consequence of the decision that we made as humanity. And Mary's living in that. Right now, life is messy. Life is hard. How's everyone feeling? Happy morning this morning. Welcome to church. It's Easter. Um, I'm sure you don't want to stay on the miserable and the doom and the gloom. So let's move on. And you're probably sitting there saying, what has all this got to do with the Easter story, James? Well, what it has got to do with Easter is this is the point where God starts to turn the tide. Okay, we've been stuck over here as humanity and Easter is the point where God starts to turn that around. And I want us to look at three things. And the first thing I want us to look at is the fact that God reverses the story of separation. So I've brought up the slide here, um, which has got Genesis uh, and Matthew's account um, of Good Friday. And in Genesis, we see the ground is cursed. It is cursed to grow thorns. Who was around at the Good Friday service? Just out of interest, who was around? What happens on Good Friday? Jesus wears a crown of thorns. Jesus takes that curse, that messed up world. He says, 
Someone needs to pay that price. Someone needs to pay the price for our choices. Someone needs to buy us back. I will take that curse. And Jesus loved us so much, he took that curse on himself so that we were no longer separated from that perfect world. If we keep reading um, in John chapter 20, we see as Jesus calls out to Mary. Mary's lost at this point. She's crying. She thinks she's alone. She thinks there's no one there for her. She thinks her world has come to an end. And then someone speaks to her and says, Mary, why are you crying? Why are you upset? Who are you looking for? And she thinks this is just a gardener. But Jesus stops and he just, I think this is so powerful, he just says her name, Mary. She's isolated, she's alone, and Jesus just calls her name Mary. Part of what happens to all of us when we sin, when we live in brokenness, is that we are isolated. We're isolated from God. I don't know if you've ever just felt so far from God. We're isolated from each other. It separates us. And that isn't a new thing. Let's flip back to Genesis chapter 3, Sam. This isn't new. If we go back right to the very beginning, we see Adam and Eve, they ate the fruit, they mess up, and suddenly they're naked, and they realise it, and they are ashamed, and they start to hide. They start hiding from God. So when God calls their names, Adam, Eve, they shrink back. They don't want to see him. That's what sin and mess does. It pushes us away from God. It pushes us away from other people. And that's why church is so important. That's why being together in community groups is so important that we walk together. Separated and isolated is bad. But if we compare the Genesis passage to what we see in John, we see that in Genesis, flip one more for us, Sam. We see in Genesis, Adam and Afraid, they're afraid and so they hide. In this second garden, we see Mary turns around and Jesus calls out. He calls her by name. She grabs onto him. And what does Jesus say? He says, go to my brothers. Verse 17 says, go. And he's talking about the disciples. The disciples are probably hidden in a room somewhere, feeling really ashamed because they feel like they've let Jesus down. Maybe they're confused because they don't know what's going on. Why is Jesus dead now? And Jesus says, go. He wants to bring people back together. He wants to bring them back in. In this first garden, Adam and Eve were separated because they'd messed up and they had no choice but to hide because there was no way back. But in this second garden, we see Jesus trying to bring separated, isolated people back in. And I just wonder if that's you this morning. If you are feeling far from God, if you're feeling far from other people, if you're feeling separated, isolated, put out, Jesus wants you back in. We see him calling Mary's name, Mary, but he could easily be saying James, Luke, Mark, Rachel, David. He is calling you back in. We see in the second garden, God reverses that separation. The next thing I want us to look at is that God reverses the condemnation. So when they get caught out after messing up, we saw just Adam and Eve hide. They hide from God because it's easier than dealing with the fact that they got it wrong. They don't want to have to come up against that. And when we use the word condemnation, condemnation kind of means sentencing. Um, We all sin, we all mess up, 
And the reality is, we kind of deserve it. We deserve to be separated from that perfect world. Yeah, we don't deserve to go back there. And that leaves us with two options. Option number one is we do an Adam and Eve and we hide from God. I think many of us can still be doing that. We can still be hiding. I'm wondering um, if anyone wants to be a volunteer for two seconds. All you're going to have to do is hide, I promise. Thanks, Luke. Well volunteered. Um, Not that you put your hands up. Luke, do you want to try and hide? Let's give you a peace lily. Let's give you a big one. Okay. I'm wondering if you can try and hide behind my peace lily so that none of these people can see you. How's that going for you, Luke? Not great. Not great. What do we think? Can anybody see Luke? Or is he gone? Has he vanished? He's gone. Wow. Let's give him a round of applause. That's a bit of a mean thing to do. Um, There was literally no need to do that other than to embarrass you. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'll be honest. When I picture Adam and Eve hiding from God, it does make me chuckle a little bit. Kind of like Luke um, crouching behind his little peace lily I just think it's a bit stupid, isn't it? They must have looked ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. But just as Adam and Eve hoped that God wouldn't notice them, probably not behind a peace lily, but maybe there was a peace lily in Eden, who knows? Just as Adam and Eve hoped that God wouldn't notice them, I think we still do it today. We don't hide behind bushes or houseplants or any of those things, but we hide behind work. We hide behind busyness. We hide behind other people. We use them as reasons not to spend time with God, not to be in community, not to come to church. Oh, I'm just too busy. Oh, I'm just too tired. The reality is, like Adam and Eve, that's hiding. We just hide behind work instead of a peace lily. And in that first garden, we see Adam and Eve have no choice but to hide away. But now in this second garden... We see despite the fact that we're all guilty, despite the fact that we don't deserve to go back there, Jesus is calling your name to make a way. Now there is a better option than just hiding. And that is what God wants for us. He sat there saying Mary, saying Babs, saying Nikki, saying Katie. He wants you back. He wants you to know that better option. So let's recap so far in our tale of two gardens. We have our first garden and we have our second garden, the garden tomb. And we see in the garden tomb, God is reversing that story of separation. He's reversing the story of condemnation. And that there is Easter in a nutshell. Okay, the story of Easter is that we are saved. We are fully saved from the brokenness, the hurt, the isolation, the mess, the shame. Jesus came to break those chains and give us life in all its fullness. But I think many of you will be sitting here this morning saying, yeah, you know what, James, I've been to church before. I know that already. Well, I want us to look at one more thing. I want to look at something you might be less familiar with. One of the things I love most about this passage is how God reverses the deception. So if you flick us on, Sam. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but the first person Jesus speaks to in this very male-dominated patriarchal culture where a woman's testimony would be next to useless, the first person Jesus speaks to is Mary, a woman. And we have seen so many parallels between the first garden, Eden, and the second garden, that garden too. 
Things like the crown full, things that we haven't even talked about, like the angels. There are so many parallels, and I think this one is significant. Because in the Garden of Eden, we see the serpent came to Eve. If you flick us on some. The serpent came to Eve, and he deceived her. He told her, I know a better way to live. He whispered in her ear, and he said, your eyes will be opened if you eat that fruit. Don't listen to what God said. Eat the fruit, crack on. This will be a better way to live. You will know life in its fullness. Your eyes will be opened. She was tricked and sucked in by the lies. And as we saw, the consequences of that was that all of humanity, we went on this journey over to the brokenness. But in the second garden, Mary isn't tricked. Okay. Earlier in the passage, we see Jesus refers, um, sorry, Mary refers to Jesus as my Lord. And often in the Gospels, where you see Mary talking to Jesus, she calls him my Lord. But in this instance, in verse 17, she calls him Rabbani. Okay, now Rabbani is a term to refer to someone who is a great teacher or a spiritual master. We see Mary's eyes starting to click open. In the first garden, Eve gets lied to. She gets deceived. She listens to the serpent and she hears, oh, this is a better way. But back, as we talked about during Practice in the Way, back then a rabbi would go around teaching his way of living, teaching um, the way to life in all its fullness. And Mary clicks that Jesus was a teacher. He had the answers, the way, the truth, the life, the way to life and life in all its fullness. She doesn't just call him Lord, she calls him teacher. And as Mary stands in this garden, what she sees is not just a happy ending to her story, but she sees the start of the reversing of the whole story of the universe, the story where we went from here over to here and we started to fall. Adam and Eve went from perfect to brokenness. At Easter, we see God reversing this separation, reversing the condemnation, but also reversing the deception, showing us life to the full. But I'm going to pause there because I think I look around this room And I know a lot of you. And I know life doesn't feel perfect. It doesn't feel like we've made it back to the perfect garden. It doesn't feel like Jesus has made everything right. And I get that. And I think part of the reason that we expect that is we believe this myth that we pray a prayer and we become a Christian and we'll be completely transformed and life is perfect. And it doesn't work like that. And that's because we're living in a time called the now and the not yet. So I'm going to show you my incredible clip art that I drew myself on PowerPoint. A whoop would have been nice, but that's okay. Um, Okay, it's terrible, I get it. Um, We are living in a time we call the now and the not yet. And as Christians, we're in this middle bit. And we're waiting for the time when Jesus comes again. And you will notice... We're still living in a broken world. We're still living with the consequences of the fall. That's this red line. We're still in the red line. The world is still broken. The Bible tells us that following Jesus isn't just suddenly going to make things easy, but there is a difference. The difference now we have Jesus is this green line. We can now start to see glimpses of coming back to this perfect world. We can see glimpses of God's kingdom 
we have a new way. Jesus teaches us. That's where the deception is reversed. We see Jesus as the way, the truth and the life, a better way to live. That's what Jesus came to give us. You know, at Easter time, Jesus' death meant that if you put your trust in Jesus and you choose in him, one day you will spend eternity back over here and everything will be perfect. But I think a lot of us know that. What we can miss sometimes is it also means that in this life, for the here and now, we can start to take little steps towards that. Little steps towards seeing the glimpse, glimpses of God's kingdom life in all its fullness. That's where we are, the now and the not yet. We're living in the red line and the green line. And one day we will be back in just the green line, living in that perfection. But for right now, we're going to have to go on a journey. It's a journey of giving ourselves over to Jesus and it helps us take a step a little bit at a time over to here. You know, there are so many different stories in this room. I chat to a lot of you and I know there's a lot of hurt in a lot of people's lives. There are so many stories in this room, but I think we can boil them down to two. One story that has walked from the the garden into the grave gets stuck here. We don't know Jesus, we don't trust in Jesus, and we, we live in this brokenness. And that is hard and it is messy, and it is always going to be hard and messy on this earth. And here there is a lot of hurt, there is a lot of pain, there's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of stress. It's the consequence of us turning away from God. It's in our DNA now, it's in the DNA of the world And that's messy. And what we don't want to do is be deceived. Like Adam and Eve were deceived, we don't want to be deceived into thinking there is a better way to live. That money or a job or family or anything that isn't Jesus is going to make us happy, is going to save us from that. But there is another story. There is a second story where we can walk from this brokenness and trust in Jesus. And we walk towards this perfect garden. Jesus' offer is to come and to follow him, walk that path, travel that journey of apprenticeship to him and know life and life in all its fullness, not just in eternity, but to see more and more of it now. That's what we call discipleship. Um, Just as I I finish, um, I've called myself a Christian for probably about 16 years. Um, about 16 years since I was like, right, I'm going to have that moment, I'm going to pray that prayer, I'm going to call myself a Christian. But I think for a lot of that time, I hid. Like Adam and Eve, I hid. And I hid behind busyness um, or work. I'd come to church, I'd come to community group, but in my heart, I was still brought into the lies that my happiness came from my job, my relationships, and so on. For the last three years, I really feel there's been a change. Um, I am so far from perfect and those of you who know me will know I am very very far from perfect but I have seen how life-changing walking with Jesus is I have seen a difference that I have never knew I am so much more free from worry found so much more peace more contentment I can find joy when things are tough like I never could before I've got a long way to go but I don't feel stuck here anymore I've maybe taken a step to here and that is what Jesus wants for all of us 
He wants us to know glimpses, more and more glimpses of this perfection. Where do we want to be? We want to be over here. Think of the psalm that Jess shared with us a few weeks ago, Psalm 112, that we will have no fear of bad news. That we'll be able to live in a world of brokenness, but no peace and contentment and joy. That is on offer. If we put our trust in Jesus, one day we're going to spend eternity back in this perfect garden, back with my beautiful Monstera. And my, I don't even know what he is. I think he's a fern. I'm not sure. But we'll spend eternity back in this perfection. But we don't have to wait. We can know more and more of that for now. And that is what we want as a church. That is on offer in this life. And so as the band come back up, I want to pray that over us. I want to pray that we won't just look to the future, but we'll be chasing Jesus in the here and now. That in the mess and the brokenness and the pain of so many of our stories at the moment, we will start to know more and more of that life in life in all its fullness. That is on offer in this life. A heart that is secure, a life where we can weather any storm. No more separation, no more condemnation, no more deception. That is what Jesus has offered to us and that is what Easter is about.